Fantastic to have you in church this morning. You're, you're all looking amazing. Isn't it, um, isn't it incredible when we celebrate new life? And, you know, for people here this morning from all sorts of different backgrounds, and for some of you, the whole baptism thing, the, the way it's done here might, might seem a bit strange. Um, but basically, to let you know what's behind it, what we're doing there is pretty much as we read it in the Bible. Um, Jesus himself was baptised before he went into ministry and, um, and we find that he turned up where, where John the Baptist, who was a prophet um, that was letting people know that Jesus was coming. And, and what he did is he started, to, he started to take on a religion that had become oppressive, that had become dead, um, that, that basically took away freedom of people and, and, and he, didn't, he didn't tell them that there was anything wrong necessarily with the religion. He just said, you need to get a heart. You need to get your hearts right. And he, he called people out into the wilderness um, and thousands of people came from the cities out into to the wilderness in Judea and they were, they were baptised. And basically what they were saying is, the way that I used to live my old life, um, I'm going to leave that behind. So they, they went down under the water in the Jordan River. Um, as, as Miriam just showed us this morning with that little bit of water from the Jordan River. And they went under the water and they came back up saying, you know what, I've, I've dealt with my past. I've dealt with my, my, my sin. Basically, that's rebellion against what God has for us. And I'm leaving that behind and I'm stepping into a brand new life. And Jesus himself turned up when John the Baptist was baptising people. The son of God, who really didn't need baptising because he hadn't done anything wrong. He was right with God because he was God. Um, but he actually wanted to show us that it was so important that, that, that he himself was baptised. And, and we're told that he asked John to baptise him, and John was a little bit overwhelmed with that, but he did it. And, and Jesus went down under the water, and, and he came up, and he stepped in to a time when he was actually ready to minister. And we're told at that moment that the Holy Spirit actually descended from heaven on him and landed on him like a dove. And everybody actually saw it happen. It, it, was, it was really significant. And basically, that's what we're doing here. And it's, it's, Jesus didn't actually ask us to specifically do that many things. Um, he, he didn't tell us. He said, basically, I want, you, I want you to allow me to live with you and, and I want you to get your heart connected with me and basically I leave most of that up to you but he did say if you want to be obedient to me be baptized because there is something powerful and significant when we stand before other people and we say this is what I'm doing and and, and in, I, I think in the spirit realm stuff that we don't really totally get there is something very significant and powerful about that so that's what that is going down under the water is symbolizing the death of an old life it's also the fact that when Jesus dealt with our sin, that, that, that he was died, he died himself. He, he was actually put to death. He was in the tomb for three days. It's like being under the water. And then he, he was resurrected into a, into a new resurrected life. And when we accept Jesus, that's exactly what happens to us. We come into a brand new life. So that's what everybody was showing us this morning. Um, different, different sort of churches and faiths do it in, in different ways and we're not here this morning to talk about what's right or wrong, but we're actually saying, well, this is the way we, we choose to do it, and this is the way that we see that the Scripture shows us. So 
um, that's what we're doing here this morning. We're going to present some certificates right now. They're all ready? They're ready to rock and roll? All right. So why don't you give these guys a hand as they come up. So Navisha Parkinson, come on down. Come on, Vishy. Run, 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 run. Come on, Vishy, you leave me hanging. All right. Fletcher Cooper, come on down. Okay, Fletcher's leaving me hanging. All right. Luca, you can do this. <laughs> Congratulations, mate. That's absolutely awesome. And yeah, we're very proud of you. And um, I, know, I know for your journey, um, this, this is a significant thing that you've chosen yeah. to do. And, um, you know, I want to just acknowledge your courage in that. And, and it's a great, great life ahead of you. And Fletch, I'm really proud of you, mate. Fletch actually happens to be my nephew, so it was an incredible honour to baptise Fletch. And God's got incredible things for you. And this is just something that you can remember the day that you were baptised. Good stuff. And here's Vishy. Hey, that was so cool that you did this this morning. And you know what? We're very, very proud of you. And you've made a really, really courageous choice in front of everybody. And I know God's going to look after you. And you're going to be an amazing, amazing young woman for him. And, and an older woman too, one day. <laughs> All right. So we've got Dale Ellis. Come on down. And Sarah, you can follow up. Dale, Christine and Lily. Now, Dale shared a little bit of his journey, but Dale didn't do this on a whim. When, when his wife and family came to church about, he said, eight years ago, um, Tash, Tash accepted Jesus um, fairly early on in that journey, and um, Dale has remained sceptical for a long time. <laughs> uh, but but he, he hung around, and he's been part of our world, and we love him, and and God's worked on his heart, and he's finally said, yep, come on in. So we're so proud of you, mate. Thanks, Dave. Yeah. And Sarah, I'm very proud of you too. You are absolutely fantastic, and we so believe in you. And you know what? You are, you're someone that is actually going to break, you're going to bring about change to, to generations. You know, the, the, way that, the way that perhaps you know, the expectations of your life and, and the background that you've come from have been, you know, there is something in you that is actually breaking and reshaping the future. Just step into that. So, Christine, congratulations. We're, we're really proud of you too, so well done. And Lily, that is absolutely fantastic. And you're a courageous young lady. And, and I know Jesus is he's going to be with you, and he's got all sorts of incredible things for you. Give him a hand. All right. A couple of weeks back, feels like I hadn't preached for, for quite a long time um, till last week. <laughs> and um, we had a number of guests, but... We, we had Vision Sunday and we talked about what our, our vision is. And basically, the, the, the strategy we have as a church is three simple things. We, we believe in having a place to worship. 
Um, we believe that people were created with a need to actually worship God. Because you know what? If we, don't, if we don't worship something bigger than ourselves, what do we do? We worship ourselves. And that just ends in tears. <laughs> and and now I'm just giving it a real simple, you know, that God created you to, with, with a need to worship him and actually receive his love. And a place to worship is really important. Um, he also created you to grow, um, to, to progress through life and, and grow in all sorts of ways. Um, hopefully not fatter. Um, but... <laughs> and, 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 and a call to go. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. Um, the kingdom of God cannot be contained and we're called to have kingdom influence within our society through being real, authentic followers of Jesus and we believe that in that we can bring illumination, love, hope and a godly flavour to our world. And you, you actually saw this morning some people in a very authentic way saying, you know what, this is what I've chosen to do. I, I want to be somebody who brings out those God flavours in my world. Um, you know, the power of, of, of stepping into that baptism is not just being in this building. The power is the way that we live our life and, and the way Jesus works through us. So. I want to talk about a little bit that, about that this morning. I want to talk about the fact that the kingdom of God can't be contained. You see, when these people that have been baptised this morning have, have stepped in, they're signifying that they've been adopted, the Bible tells us, into a new family. And there's something powerful about adoption. You know, I, I grew up in a great family, but I didn't have, you know, my parents didn't really even have any choice in that. They sort of did. They could have chose sort of you know, not to engage, but they, um, sorry, but, but really once that process was started, you know, I just turned up and, and they, you know, they, they didn't have a, you know, they, they, thankfully, thankfully they thought I, I was great because, you know, that's what parents do, but, and, and I've had a, a wonderful background, but you know what, some of you here may have, may have experienced or, or, or known adoption when, and we know that the journey of that has, has all sorts of different facets. But, you know, when somebody adopts somebody, they actually make a choice and say, you know what, I am bringing you into my family and I am giving myself and my future to you. And when we step into the kingdom of God, we're actually adopted. Jesus, Jesus didn't say, oh, well, I've got to have you cause, just because you're here. He, he actually said, I want you. And you are part of my family. And, and, and I've actually I've given you my inheritance. And when Jesus died on the cross, that was. Some people have put it like this, that, that the Father actually bankrupted heaven for our sake. He gave everything. Put himself and his son into a cruel, broken, messed up world and, and took, took its worst. And so that he could say, hey, I want you in my family. That's what it means to be in the kingdom of God. And, and that kingdom can't be contained. We had a, um, last week, we, I think Alex was away at Carla, so um, this doesn't implicate her. <laughs> but we had a container of orange juice in our fridge. And it was one of those, uh, it was one of those nudie, or nude, do you say nudie, orange juice containers, and, which meant it didn't have preservatives in it. 
and, and it had been sitting in there for a while and, um, and I looked at it and it was, uh, it, it was starting to get a bit fatter. <laughs> now, I'm surprised you to know, but I'm, I'm 50, so I've been around a while and I know what happens. So, so I got it out and, and I took it out of the sink and I thought, you know, I can, I can handle this and the, and the kids were, were there. And I, and I just, you know, carefully took the lid off as, as you go to do. And the next thing, bang! Orange juice went all over the kitchen. All over, all over, all over the floor that, uh, that had been freshly mopped. Um, all over, all over the children. We had orange juice absolutely everywhere. You see, that orange juice actually got to a point. It had started to ferment. Well, it had been doing it for a little while. And, and it was actually saying, I am not going to be contained, David Morse, by this container or by your fridge. I've got to get out. And, and, and I, I thought I could control the situation, but I found out I couldn't control it. Bang. So the kingdom of God is a little bit like that fermented orange juice. <laughs> hey, it's a lot like that fermented orange juice. <laughs> but you see, the kingdom of God, you say, we, we, think, we think somehow, and our society thinks perhaps more than ever in this time that it can be contained, that it can actually be separated from society and it can be perhaps even put into, into buildings like this where, hey, okay, it's all right if those Christians want to do their thing, um, but, 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 but just keep it over there. But you see, the kingdom of God is not about buildings. It is not uh, about, about being contained. It is actually about going right through every part of our society. It, 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 and, and it will not be contained. You can try and control it. You can try and just ease it out and just say, all right, let's keep this, let's just keep this nice. But the kingdom of God cannot be contained. The kingdom of God will always find a way to permeate right through our society. And, and it is, and, and, it, and it will. And when you're part of the kingdom of God, you cannot be contained. You see, you weren't built to be contained. You weren't built to be, to be sort of controlled or put in a, in a box. And in our society, we, we try and contain all sorts of things, don't we? Um, we, we try to contain people. For example, when, when somebody starts to live in a way that as a society we deem is un, unacceptable and perhaps they're a danger to other people and a danger to themselves, well, what do we do? We, we incarcerate them. We put them in prison. We take away their freedom. Now, I'm not, I'm not arguing a, a, for the pros and cons of that because there's good reasons why that happens. But, you know, when you, when, you do that, when you do that to people and you talk to anybody who has been in prison or worked in a prison and they will tell you that's not a natural place because you've actually taken away somebody's freedom and you've locked them up and, and they weren't designed or be built to be put in that way. So you get things going on that are very unnatural. You see, just like that, you are not designed or built 
to be incarcerated. You're not designed or built to be locked up. You are not designed or built to be absolutely contained. And even sometimes those of us that have been on the Christian walk for a while, we, we feel like, you know, that, that there's this containment that we've actually got to live within. We, we feel like there's a way of living or, a, or even a culture and we've got to be contained by that. Jesus did not call any of us to be contained. He, he actually called us to, to live, yes, a life where, where, where there is discipline, a life where we make choices, but those choices actually bring us freedom rather than containment. It says this in, in John 10.10, 10, and and this is, I, I don't know how you actually have so much good stuff in the Word of God, so much good stuff in the Bible, but this is one of my favourite verses. And it says this in John 10.10. 10. Many of you will know it really well. It says, A thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy. But I have come to give you everything in Abundance. Listen to this. More than you expect, life in its fullness until you overflow. Let me give you a little bit of context on this. Jesus was addressing religious people. And actually they were primarily the religious leaders. So it was a bit like all the pastors and ministers and priests and people like that that he was talking to. And... The background was that he'd recently healed a blind person. An act of compassion where he found somebody who had been blind and being blind in that day meant that, you, you know, your life was, you were incredibly poor in that environment. We didn't have a lot of the stopgap measures that we have to try and help people in our society. It was a pretty, pretty terrible thing and it'd be a terrible thing for anybody to, to, to lose their sight anyway, regardless of when you live. But an act of compassion, he, he, he heals this blind person. Now, I would think if, if somebody came in here this morning and, and they were blind and they received a healing, how would we want to respond? We would want to say, fantastic, I am so pleased you have been set free of not being able to see. That you've got, you've got sight again. What a wonderful thing. In fact, I can't think of anything more amazing than to have no sight and then all of a sudden see it. What an incredible gift. Somebody who was contained and incarcerated by the fact that they couldn't see, suddenly can see, and it's a bit like they had a whole life available to them that they hadn't had before. And the religious leaders were cruel to that man. They were cruel to his family. And they were cruel to, to common people that wanted to associate with that. So this is the context in which Jesus is saying these things. And this morning, you may not have come from a, a, a religious background. You may not have even come from a, a church background. But you might have a perception of church or religion or what it is. You go around talking to people and you'll find out that there are perceptions about. And a lot of those perceptions are religion and I think, I think church, as we understand it, and even as we are here this morning, gets put in that category, is that it takes away freedom. 
It takes innocence, it takes money, it takes time. And I think there are very good reasons for those perceptions. I think recent events that we've seen across our media really do reinforce those perceptions. But Jesus was addressing those very issues here. He was saying to religious people then, and his message is exactly the same this morning, religion and institutions can't offer freedom. In fact, they end up robbing and taking and containing. But here's the difference. Jesus said, I offer abundance, surplus, freedom, contentment. See, the the Greek word... Uh, for abundance, basically sort of had a, it's peristhesos, and it had a, a mathematical meaning, and it generally meant more than an abundance. So an abundant life is a life lived with surplus. It's not just getting by, but a surplus capacity. Who wants to live their life in a way that you can live with more than just getting by? There's no doubt that all of us are going to have seasons in life at one level where it's just getting by. Who's been there? You know, financially, we're just getting by. Or perhaps you're in a, in a family season and, and, and we've experienced this at, at times where, where, where kids are full on and it's like, we're just getting by. <laughs> but what Jesus was talking about was actually carrying something that all these things can go on, they can be part of our world, but we can do more than just get by. We can live with a sense of, of, of I will not be contained and, and I have actually got more capacity than just to get by. Some people really do live with the bare minimum of life and you wonder whether they're actually alive. Think like you might have to put a heart rate monitor to see if there's actually a heartbeat. It sort of happened to me a bit like that too once. Um, I was in, in hospital after one of my bike crashes. And um, they had, you know, they had all the, all the stuff hooked up to you as they do and bit bit being across the screen. It was nothing that serious. I only had a, a broken something. But, uh, but they do that. They're, they're watching your heart rate and all that. And, <laughs> and, and the alarm kept going off. Basically because... Because of my, my cycling and the fact that your, your body's trained to, you know, in endurance, your, your resting heart rate is, is a little bit lower than, than most people's. So what would happen is, is I'm, I'm lying there and my resting heart rate would come down and, and the, the alarm would go off, beep, and then they'd have to come over and look at it. And, and, and you know, after the second time, they said, oh, you're a cyclist. Yes, okay. And I, and I think, you know, they, they almost had to readjust the settings and bring it down a bit. And, and it looked like I was barely alive because, you know, there wasn't much heartbeat. And, and sometimes I think people, it's almost like there's life, but it's going to look pretty hard to see it. Just let me put a heart rate monitor on you and see if you're actually alive. And I've even met Christians like that. 
You know, they've, they've accepted Jesus and they say, oh yeah, I love Jesus. And then when you're, you're watching the way they live and you're talking to them, it's like, they are barely alive. There's a heart rate there somewhere, but man, it's down deep. Their resting heart rate has, has come back to sort of like about 15. <laughs> oh, gee, I better not get out too quick. My heart rate might go up. <laughs> I'm saving, I'm conserving. But the life Jesus was talking about, people that have life, I I believe they have stamina, they have energy, they have a large sphere of living, they have the ability to do things, they overflow with enjoyment. People with life are fun to be around. They live in a way that's attractive. People are drawn to them. Why? Because they have life. Do you, do you want to go around and visit a wet blanket? You know, there's that person that you look after in your family, and I'm not talking about the fact that we do need to care for people, but I'm just talking about what it means to have life. You know, but that person, you'll, you'll go around and you'll, you'll, you'll sit with them and, and you'll, you'll come away feeling like, um, you know, you, that was hard. Yeah, maybe I... Maybe I, I, I just... Don't want to live anymore myself, you know, that you can get that sort of feeling. I'm being a little facetious. But get, let me read this, these verses in a little bit more context. John 10, 7 to 10. So Jesus went over it again. He says, I speak to you the eternal truth. I am the gate for the flock. All those who broke in before me are thieves who came to steal. But the sheep never listened to them. I am the gateway. To enter through me is to experience life, freedom, and satisfaction. A thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy. But I have come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, life in its fullness, until you overflow. Now, can I just preface what I'm saying here uh, about abundant life? I'm not saying that abundant life is for one personality type. I mean, we were... We're having a, a small joke about how many farewells we're having for, for Pastor Dan. And, um, and I leaned over and, and then somebody else sent me a text with exactly the same thing, that he's actually had more comebacks than John Farnham. <laughs> In fact, maybe he is John Farnham, I don't know. But... You know, Dan, you know, Dan, he's got a particular personality. He's got a lot of life about him, and that is because he's filled with the Spirit. But he's also an extrovert personality. And, and I'm not saying that when you get abundant life that you have to be an extrovert personality. See, you, you can actually have a, 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 a more gentle personality, but life exudes from you. So that's what I'm actually talking about here. You don't have to try and be like Dan or like me or like anybody else. But, you know, abundant life isn't necessarily a long life. It isn't necessarily, hopefully it is, it isn't necessarily a comfortable life. Abundant life is a life of satisfaction and contentment and it is found through a relationship with Jesus. Abundant life is more than you expect. The abundant life is a contented life 
where our contentment is based on the fact that God is up for and equal to anything that will come your way. This is what Paul wrote, the the great church planter and and apostle Paul. He wrote, for I am convinced. I'm not trying to work it out. I'm not wobbling about this. I am convinced. And why was he convinced? Because he'd lived it. This was his experience. I am convinced that my God will fully satisfy every need you have, for I have seen the abundant riches of glory revealed to me. In other words, what he was saying is, I have had this amazing blessing through hard times, through the fact that I was, I was, I didn't deserve any of this. This was a guy who was going around ripping Christians out of their homes, locking them up, getting them put to death, tearing families apart. And, and, and he writes about the fact that he had to carry this the rest of his life and it was a heavy weight that he carried and it, and it was almost too much to bear the thought of what he'd done in his previous life. But he says, I am still convinced that God will fully satisfy every need that you have for I have seen through his own stuff the abundant riches of glory to me through the anointed one, Jesus Christ. So how can you live the abundant life? Well, number one, and I've got to start right at the beginning, is it is through relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not through being part of an institution. It's not through being part of a religion. It is through relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, we are the local church, and like it or not, the local church is sort of part of an institution. But why, do we, why are we part of the, the local church? We are part of it, first and foremost, through relationship with Jesus Christ. It, it, it's actually that, that that sets us apart. And, and it says this in Revelation 3.20, and this is Jesus talking. He says, Behold, I'm standing at the door knocking. If your heart is open to hear my voice, you will open the door within, and I will come in to you, and I will feast with you, and you will feast with me. And, and the picture he's painting here was basically of a, of a Hebrew wedding. And what would happen in a Hebrew wedding, be funny if they tried to do this today, is that the, the, the bridegroom and the father would actually turn up, most of this had been discussed prior, but they would turn up at the bride's house and they would knock on the door and hopefully they had a fair bit of money with them for the bride's family and they would knock on the door, and if she opened the door, she was actually accepting the offer and saying, you know what, I will be married, and, and, and the bride's father was holding out his hand and saying, you know, bless me because I brought this girl up, and I'm, we're releasing her to your family. And, and this is the picture that Jesus was painting here. He was saying, you know what, if you, I, I actually come with something. When, when I stand and I, I knock... On your life, when I knock at the doorway to your heart and your thinking, I don't come empty-handed. I, I, I actually come with the resources and the abundance of heaven. Will you open your life and will you invite me in? And it's like when we say yes, 
we become part of that family. Have you opened your heart to him? Maybe you've been on this journey with Jesus for a while and you don't feel like it's an abundant one. Sort of two parts to this. You may never have opened your heart to Jesus. And this morning, I'm, I'm going to give people an opportunity to do that in just a, a very real sort of way. In a few minutes, I'll just ask people, do you want to open your heart to Jesus? Do you want to take a risk on him? And the most courageous thing you could do is to say, yeah. Because I I, I realise I want to live more than just just getting by life. I want an abundant life. I want to know that my life matters for the rest of my life here and it actually matters for eternity. Or if you've been on the journey for a while, has has your heart become partly closed? How how do you think hearts become closed or partially closed? I think think disappointment. Disappointment's huge. Maybe you've looked up to another Jesus follower or a mentor, or somebody that's been a a big influence in your life, and they've let you down. Gee, I've let lots of people down. Most of our leaders here in the church have let people down. We don't want to, but we're imperfect, and we're people, and you can never be everything that somebody needs. That's the difference between people and Jesus. Jesus says, look, if you trust me, I won't let you down. But us as people, we do. Let's make sure that we don't make somebody else Jesus in your life. I think that's, that's really important to understand. In, in a couple of ways. Sometimes we can sort of look up to somebody and it's like, oh, wow, they're just amazing. I want to be just like them. And, and we're looking at them instead of Jesus. Or, 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 or we're actually looking at people through their, through their humanity and their mistakes. And we're, we're saying, well, you know, if, if that person follows Jesus and they do this and they do that and, you know, they, they drink too much and they're rude to people and... All these things, well, Jesus can't be like that. Well, we've actually got to, we've got to, we've got to actually look to Jesus past the people because all of us are a work in progress. None of us are perfect. And I think when we, when we don't see Jesus and we just see the people, yes, you can see Jesus in people, but we've got to make sure that we're, we're seeing Jesus in people. We're, we're not just looking at the people. We, we need our hearts to be open to him. How do we open our hearts to Jesus? Well, we've got to talk to him through prayer. We've got to understand his heart through reading the word. And, and I think it, it, it can also become closed through, he, he's a big word, not repenting. Who likes that word repent? <laughs> Basically, it just means to turn around 
It means to own your stuff. It means to own your stuff. It means to say, hey, I was pretty crappy today. You know, when I, when I treated my wife like that or treated my kids like that or treated that person at work like that, 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 that wasn't on. Yeah, sure, the stuff, they did stuff, but I'm the one. And you're able to come to Jesus and say, hey, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't want to be like that anymore and I want you to help me. Or if you've never come to him, if you've never opened your heart to him, you say, well, sometimes we can look at all the terrible things that have gone on in this world. And sure, you, you didn't do those by yourself, but as humanity, collectively, we've done some pretty terrible stuff. And again, we own it. We say, we have, we have just been full of so much rubbish. And, and, and Lord, I'm, I, I've just come to you and I just ask that you would release me of that and that I could have your abundant life. The second thing is, how do we, how do we live an abundant life? I, I think number two, it's through not being deceived. Not being deceived. How's the, how's the best way not to be deceived? I think it's to be aware that there's deception out there. For example, are you going to give your bank details to that really generous, nice man from Nigeria who has emailed you because you are an outstanding person who could just happen to really steward a couple of million dollars that he is going to put in your bank account. Are you going to give him your bank details? Of course you're not. Why why not? Because you, you understand that deception's out there. And Jesus was saying, hey, there's deception out there. You know, religion has got a way of, of deceiving us and containing us. And he says, all those who broke in before me are thieves who came to steal. In other words, they wanted to take your joy. They wanted to take your freedom. They wanted to take away the truth so that you wouldn't live with abundance. And in Galatians 5, 7 to 9, it, it's Paul again talking about this. He, and he's talking to these people who had received an abundant life and they were doing so well. They had been transforming their city. They had been going gangbusters. They were happy. They were joyful. People were joining their church. They were bringing life to their city. And all of a sudden, people came after Paul and they started to add to the teaching that, that Paul had given them. And basically they said, hey, Paul, hey, Paul was pretty cool, but you know what? He's a, he's a little bit shallow. He actually makes it a little bit easy. What, what you need to do is you need, you need to understand, you know, some of these deeper things. And, and you, need, you need to start to be a bit more religious about that. You need to stop eating that. You need to stop going to those places. You need to, you, you know, you need to, to stop working on Sunday. You need to do all these things. And he says, to the, he says this to them. He, he didn't actually say, hey, yeah, yeah, you, do, you, you Galatians need to lift your game a little bit. You Galatians need to, need to step up. You know, you, you were young and yeah, we let you off a little bit at the start, but hey, rubber hits the road now. 
All you blokes, you can start with being circumcised. He didn't say that, thankfully. He said, you were running a race so well. Who has held you back from following the truth? It certainly isn't God. See, if your life right now is feeling contained, feeling like people are stopping you, even if you're thinking about about this whole church thing and this Christianity and this Jesus, it is not God who wants to take away your freedom. It is not God who wants to rob your joy. It is not God who wants you to have less fun. It is not God who who, who wants to say, you won't be able to hang around with those people anymore. You're going to have to hang around with these weird Christians who don't have any fun. God does not say that. He says this. He says, you were running the race so well. This is Paul writing. He says, who held you back from following the truth? It certainly wasn't God, for he is the one who called you to freedom. This false teaching is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole dough. I am trusting the Lord to keep you from believing the false teaching. God will judge the person, whoever he is, who has been confusing you. You see, their deception came from people who were trying to take them away from relationship to religion. And here's my last point this morning. How can you live an abundant life? Well, I think choose, and if you've never experienced the abundant life I'm talking about, or you sort of know what it is, this is the crux of it. Choose relationship over religion. Again, Paul to the Galatians says, So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure you stay free. And don't get tied up again in the slavery of the law. What? What takes the joy so often out of out of churches? Normally we get all silly and say, oh, we need to do it this way, or we need to do it that way, or we should be doing that, shouldn't be doing this, or that person's a bit out of line, all those things. And we, 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 we want to... I'm not talking about not having good leadership and vision and direction. But I'm just talking about when when we start to get religious. What is the very thing that I think stops more people coming to Jesus than anything else is they think that they've got to sign up to a religion. And Jesus said, no, I I just want you to accept me. Accept me. And then I I will receive you, I will adopt you into my family and you can be baptised. You can be baptised into a brand new family. And, and hopefully that will be a whole lot of people that want to be around you and encourage you and support you and walk on the journey together. And, and in, that, in that community, you know, you find purpose. You, you find a calling for your life that's bigger than, than, than what you had before, that you know what you're, you're on this earth to do. That's all part of that. But the place to start is just opening your heart and saying, Hey, Jesus... I thank you so much that you bankrupted heaven for me. 
I thank you that you came and you put yourself through so much humiliation. I thank you that when, when those Roman soldiers, when those pious When those religious leaders, I was thinking of language I've decided not to use, who thought they were better than they really were, were throwing insults and thinking they've got one over God himself, that you stayed on the cross. When a big burly Roman soldier was driving stakes that long through Jesus' wrist. When at that moment he could have called on the power of heaven. He could have he could have got up from said, Now you see who I really am. Could have called on all the powers of heavens and wiped out humanity. Could have done all manner of things, but because of his love and his acceptance and the fact that he wants you to be able to live that abundant life, that he stayed there and he endured the humiliation of having that nail and that big stake driven into his hand, that he stayed there when that cross was lifted up, when it was dropped into a hole and it went bang in the ground and just about every bone in his joint came out of, out of joint. The, the Bible actually tells us that that happened. When a common criminal was on the other side of him and was was hurling insults at him, when there was another one on the other side who, who eventually said, hey, I, 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 I want to be part of where you're going, Jesus. When all that was going on, he stayed there. He stayed there and he pulled himself up to breathe until the Roman soldiers came along and they, what they would do is they'd break the legs of, out of a act of humility, they would break the legs of those hanging on the cross so that they no longer had the strength to lift themselves up to breathe. But with Jesus, because the prophecy was that no bone in his body would be broken, they decided to put a spear into his heart. And, and we're told that water and blood came out. And this is a medical fact that when a heart is actually physically broken, that water gushes out before the blood. Jesus died of a broken heart. He died because his heart was breaking for humanity. When he came with incredible love, and he came offering freedom. He just saw religion and he saw the containment of people. He saw the hardness of heart. And as he hung there, his heart broke. God himself. That's how much he loves you. That's how absolutely valuable you are to him. 